My name is Nancy Farrow, also known as Mama Lou, and I'm the founder of Epic Experience. Epic Experience mission is to empower adult cancer survivors and thrivers to live beyond cancer. I hope that as you listen to Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer, you find hope, healing, and empowerment. Through stories and education, we aim to guide those impacted by cancer, and more importantly, offer love and support to anyone out there who needs it. This is Beyond Cancer. Today, we're going to be talking to two survivors, Matt and Kelly, and I'm going to let them tell you more about themselves, but they happen to attend the same Epi Experience camp together, and they are both non-Hodgkin's lymphoma survivors. So um, we'll have them come on, and I will ask some questions, and there's Matt, and there is Kelly. Welcome, you guys. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. So we're going to start off, um, I'm going to ask each of you to basically just introduce yourself, where you live, when you went to camp, and your camp name, and how you got your camp name. Let's start there. So Matt, why don't you go ahead and go first? Sure. So uh, my camp name was Maui, um, which is uh, one of my favorite Hawaiian islands that we had gone to vacation on um, shortly before the camp that I attended. Um, I actually live in Broomfield, Colorado, so not too far away from Mama Lou. And then I was in camp almost two years ago, I think this week. Oh, so wow. uh, lots changed <laughs> in the yeah. 24 months. Now we have fire surrounding the camp and obviously they're not having camps um, right. this summer, which is really unfortunate, but um, that's my that's my history. All right, thank you. Kelly. Yeah. Um, so Maui and I attended the same camp. Um, so in my camp name is warrior. Um, I like to do yoga. And so that was kind of perfect. Like, what should my camp name be? Oh, I like yeah. yoga. Oh, okay. Warrior it is. <laughs> I like it. That's great. Um, yeah. I live in green Bay, Wisconsin. Um, yeah. All right, cool. Okay. So when, when I'm going to ask you guys now and, Feel free to jump in if you have any comments, like, you know, based on what one another says or anything like that. But we want to talk about diagnosis. Now, both of you have non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So tell me about, you know, symptoms leading up to it, how you were actually diagnosed, the staging and all that kind of stuff, treatment you've gone through, basically kind of a synopsis of your cancer experience. Um, I'll let either one of you go. Uh, Kelly, you want me to start? Sure. All right. Um, so in 2016, I noticed a lump in my, my left side of my neck. Um, I'm not prone to swollen lymph nodes when I was sick, so I was concerned about it. Um, I had a fine needle biopsy, I think in October that year, I had a, a ultrasound. Neither one of them were positive for cancer. My fine needle biopsy came back negative, actually. Um, they just told me to watch it. Um, 
it kept growing. And so in January, 2017, I got a CAT scan or a C, whatever CT scan. They said that was inconclusive. Um, my ENT didn't, he didn't really think I needed to do anything, but I wanted a second opinion. So I went to a different ENT. He saw it and he, he wanted to have surgery the next day, but he got me in a few days later, took it out. Um, and then I got my diagnosis, um, uh, just a, a plain pathological diagnosis uh, a week before my 41st birthday. Wow. Um, and then on my birthday, I found out from the PET scan just how far it was spread. So um, I was stage four E um, uh, double hit non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So it's Burkitt's or they said Burkitt's like, it's a very rare cancer. Um, wow. Like 50 people in the country get it a year. So oh my, it was, it was a surprise. And what year was this? That you were Three years ago. Yeah, 2017. Wow. Wow. And then you just started treatment? What What did you do for treatment? Yeah, so within um, basically five days from the PET scan, I was in the hospital uh, getting – so my protocol, I think it's called REPOC. So it's rituxin. I think I'm not sure. I think you might have had the same. Hypocide. Yeah. Poison. <laughs> Poison, yeah. Uh, prednisone. Um, <laughs> I don't remember them all, but it's yeah. it's not the it's not the, you know, I think R E CHOP was is the most common. EPOC is a little different. I think it's more used with aggressive lymphomas. Um, I don't know. I can't remember if you had where I had uh, spinal chemo. Um, and uh, it was basically six treatments covering three months. I handled the side effects pretty well. Um, I did not miss any of my scheduled um, appointments. I did not need to be hospitalized any more than I was supposed to be. Um, so I was very fortunate in how, in how my body, body handled the chemo. And I had immediate results from the first session wow. to go from basically cancer through multiple parts of my body after one, after two treatments, it was not visible in my pet. And so that was a great first, that result made my oncologist very happy and it's a very good, it's yeah. a good, good for prognosis overall. Awesome. Wow. How about you, Hoya? Um, so I, it's crazy how similar Maui and I's stories are. It freaks me out a little bit. Um, but I, in 2016, was pregnant with my first son, and I was always complaining about how short of breath I was, and people were like, oh, it's pregnancy, you're just getting bigger, you know, it's normal. And um, and I had, like, weird symptoms, like, right up until the week I was diagnosed, where, like, I kept aspirating on water that I was drinking, like, I kept choking on stuff I was eating. Wow. Um, and I had, like, extreme fatigue. And, um, I went to the doctor and I was like, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. And they're like, you're just pregnant, just, you know, whatever. And I came back again the next day and the following day. And I was like, something is wrong. I don't know what it is, but, like, yeah. um, it's not normal. <laughs> yeah. So they, uh, did a CT or a chest X-ray and my chest X-ray, I just had this huge mass in my chest that was basically like the size of a cantaloupe. And at this point I was eight months pregnant. Right and right here in the center of your yeah wow. yeah so um, yeah the I was diagnosed and I was like my heart was 
being strained too much. And so basically I was sent to um, a more aggressive hospital that they could treat me um, immediately because pretty much the stress from pregnancy and the cancer on my heart was like they were ready to like give me full, I don't know, like open my chest up to like release the pressure basically. Um, But I never got there. I delivered the baby and then I started treatment within like three hours. Oh my. Yeah. I still had my epidural in from having my C-section when I was starting uh, my first round of chemo. So, um, yeah. So I did the same thing that Maui did. I did six rounds of um, REPOC. And then after that, I did 30 rounds of radiation. Because of where it was here? They radiated your chest? Yeah. Yeah, And uh, a lot of doctors that I've found out um, in like young people, they don't like to radiate the chest of young women. So uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, the joys of the long-term side effects. Yeah. Yeah, So, but, and then it turns out that I kept choking on my food or like aspirating because the tumor actually compressed my um, nerve that works on my vocal cords. So my vocal cord doesn't work. It's like dead essentially. So when I was trying to eat or drink or swallow, it kept just like slipping down and not going down correctly. So that is a side effect I still have today. Wow. So since what, 2016, 2017, have you guys had any reoccurrence? Are you either of you in any kind of continued treatment other than obviously you're joyful, what, see the doctor every so often type thing? Yeah, I, as far as I know, no. So I, uh, um, you know, I, I celebrate my, I think my anniversary dates are more important to me than my birthday, you know, now, but um, no, <laughs> I, I, so far, so good. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. That's the same thing. Yeah. That's not, wow. Um, so when you were both diagnosed, like, I mean, it's shocking, especially, you know, you're pregnant. Um, Maui, it sounds, you said something about running before we stopped, started. So I'm guessing you're healthy, fit. What were your thoughts when you, they told you, you have cancer? I mean, what goes through your head? Um, so, you know, I, you know, in movies, when people, when something shocking happens and they go down to their knees and they can't, I, you know, I, when I heard, um, I had to step away from the office and I, it's what I did. So, I mean, it's just overwhelming grief and like, holy, can I cuss yeah. on this? You know, um, holy shit. <laughs> um, uh, how, is, how is this happening? I'm 41. I'm a father of two. I take good care of myself. Um, I, I do things to avoid cancer. I, I have, I have cancer. So, um, you know, it's, it's just a jumble of emotions, you know, originally. And then, you know, once you work through that, um, and I, I allowed myself to just—I mean, I guess I probably couldn't have stopped it—but I let that emo- those flood of emotions hit me for as long as I needed to, and then you start immediately moving to okay, well, I'm going to effing beat this and right. get me in immediately to go start give me the poison to get rid of this. So yeah. that's how I how I viewed it. Yeah, yeah. How about you? 
I think for me, I, I didn't, I was not expecting to hear that news. My husband and I were sitting in a room that they brought us into and the doctor came in and I was like, Oh, this doesn't seem like a room that they give you good news in like kind of right. joking with my husband. And he was kind of like, like I could see it in his face that he was like, yeah, you're right. Like this doesn't seem right. And then the doctor sat down and told us, and I just, I, I was just shocked, just pure shock. And I can look back and think like I was just in denial. Mm-hmm. I just like immediately after I was diagnosed, they were like, we're going to take you to the OB unit and start. You are very sick. Like we need to figure out what's going on. And uh, they were like, we'll get you a wheelchair. And I was like, I don't need a wheelchair. Yeah. I'm no, like, I'm not going in a wheelchair. And they were yeah. like, you need a wheelchair. Like you can't walk, you can't breathe. Like, and I was just like, no, like, and I feel like those moments are like, I was never from the beginning ever going to let this win or beat me or mm-hmm. it tried to, but uh, I think from the beginning, it was just like set in stone. Like, we're just gonna try and get over, you know, get over the hump. Uh, you know, one thing, in a, and then I'll jump, jump on. It, it's weird to me because I don't really, and maybe this is a, I'm screwing up the order here, but um, <laughs> I don't really think too much about the cancer like day to day. I don't, at least I don't think yeah. so. It doesn't overwhelm me like it used to, but it is strange how, and I think I can hear it in Kelly's voice a little bit. Like it's not hard to go back in time and go to that place. And and I do feel those, those emotions rise back up. So, yeah. um, I mean, it's, it's life changing and, and, I don't think you ever really um, get over that, that fear and that feeling that you had in those, in those times. Yeah. You just went through it. Yeah. I think oh, yeah. it's also hard. The, you know, being pregnant, the birth of my son is so it's like the two things, they, they coincide, they coexist. Oh, yeah. There's no like, my son's birthday and not thinking about like all the tragedy that went, you know, the days prior. Um, But I can remember when they told us like, you have cancer. And I was like, but is my baby okay? Like what, what's going to happen to my, my son? Like we're like, I I don't care. Like, is my kid okay? Like, am I going to live to see him be born or like, so it's crazy to have even those instincts before I ever even met him. So, yeah. So when you, Kelly, when you, um, when they told you, did you immediately go and give birth? I mean, was it like, uh, no, they tried to, my son came five weeks early, um, because my heart just couldn't handle being pregnant anymore and I needed stronger drugs. And it was either, I mean, he was ready to, to come out cause he was only five weeks early um, which thank goodness I yeah. far along because I don't even oh, want yeah. to talk about it the other way around. But, um, yeah, I actually, I was in the hospital for, I think three nights and then they were like, you, you cannot stay pregnant another minute. Like your heart is going to basically like explode. So, wow. um, I had an emergency C-section and then my son was actually taken to a different hospital and I was moved to a different hospital. 
and uh, I didn't get to meet my son for 10 days uh, after he was born. So he spent his first Christmas alone without us. So he actually had to be by himself, not even with your husband. I mean, like he was, wow. My husband could have gone to see him, but I was so touch and go that he was like, I can't leave my, I had doctors like rotating in and out of my room so frequently, (laughs) one of them. Yeah. So um, my family all visited him around the clock and um, stayed with him. But yeah, so it's uh, a lot of trouble. Loud trauma. Yeah. Well, yeah. And how often, I mean, I think, I, Matt, you just alluded to this, but how often now do you really tell the story? So when you do, I imagine it's, it brings all of it back up because it's, even if it's not, and I'm with you guys, I don't, I'll go days without remembering, except for the curly hair because I'm a year out of treatment. Other than that, I can go days without thinking about the fact that I had cancer because I had kind of the same, I'm just going to I'm not there yet. I'm not there. No, I can understand. I can understand that. But when you actually have to tell it, yeah. I can imagine that that's very hard um, to have it to do. It feels that. like unbelievable. Like I don't yeah. feel like when I talk about it that it could ever have been me. It's yeah. yeah. It's it's taken like a long time to be able to talk about it and not like cry. I'm like holding yeah. back tears. <laughs> I can imagine. No, I can completely. I mean, I feel it. I just, you know, when you hear another survivor's story, I just, and that, the double whammy of being pregnant and all that, that is, that's intense. Very. Yeah. Um, I think, I think about like Maui, like your story with your family and your kids and like they're older and they had an idea and like they get it. And I feel like it's just, all of it is just so heartbreaking. It's, yeah. It's horrible horrible yeah yeah i don't think um and i'm i I was i was a crier uh in in camp so i'll do my best to keep it together but um you know when you when you think about your family and um and and dealing with it i mean that's what brings you to tears you know or the letters i received from my family or my my daughter at that time who the one who was at the age where she could understand it more than my son um yeah I think now even my son might maybe gets it a little more than he did at that time that I had cancer, you know, and not just, yeah. not just a little, and I don't mean to downplay anything, but I didn't, you know, it wasn't like a little dot on my skin that they took out of. It was something that was, that, yeah. that will always be with me and it will always cause a little fear in the back of my mind. So. Yeah. How did you guys go about telling family and friends? Um, at the, at the time. So how old were your kids, um, Matt? So it was three years ago. So my daughter was nine and my son was six. Um, and we, so from the time I had my pet scan, we made a reservation to go stay at a hotel and go see the garden of the gods in Colorado Springs. Um, and, uh, I had a beer or two because I wasn't going to have one for a while. Um, and, uh, uh, we told my kids in the morning that, that, uh, that I was going in for treatment and we were very upfront. Um, I, I don't want to hide, we didn't, we just want to be open and honest that this was a battle and I was going to take care. I was going to lose my hair. So I let them buzz my hair yeah, never really came back, uh, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but, 
but or it did, just not in the same way it used the to look. Same way, right? <laughs> uh, so that's how. And then in terms of like the rest of my family, I mean, I saw my parents right away when I was diagnosed, and then yeah, um, you know, it, it got out on social media. So I put some stuff out on social media as well, um, and uh, that's how everyone know everyone found out. Yeah, social media does make it a little easier, I guess, in that sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, still obviously telling your kids and the people who are closest to you, but yeah. That's um, right. Yeah. How yeah. about you, Kelly? Um, my husband kind of dealt with all of it. Um, yeah. I actually, it's not a funny story, but in hindsight, I feel like I was obviously in shock because I was yeah. supposed to work the next day for like three nights in a row or something like that. And the first phone call I made, which I have no idea why. <laughs> I called my work and I was like, Hey, I'm not going to be at work anymore. Like, I don't know when I'm going to come back. I have cancer. And they were just like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, is a shock. I mean, it's like, yeah. Wow. Wow. I mean, it's not, it's not anything to laugh about, but in hindsight, I think like, well, right. I was I thinking like, right. Well, I kind of, uh, scarred that person for a very long time. I heard oh, the person who answered and started crying and was freaking out and oh no. But yeah. Um but otherwise you said your husband, which makes sense. I mean if you're again you're dealing with the double whammy of being pregnant um that your husband kind of took on that of yeah sharing. Yeah. And then of course social media how you waited a while go ahead um to say anything but I felt like I was gonna lose my hair and yeah. And I also feel like I was excited to introduce my son to the world. Like every other woman gets to like, you know, have their baby announcement. And I yeah. felt he deserved that. And so yeah. I felt like it was a time to like say, like, we have a new baby and I'm also going to be doing this. And so yeah, it was a good way to kind of like introduce that in a little bit of a better way, I think. Yeah. If you're watching and you have questions, please go ahead and um, put them in there and we will bring them up. Um, somebody has a, oh, I was going to read a comment, but it just disappeared. Oh, um, somebody said they had a completely different cancer journey, but they can relate, Kelly, um, to feeling like it's an out-of-body experience, like it's happening to, to someone else. I have a feeling that um, it is a comment. Uh, that part of it can, in, in different ways for different people is a comment. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering how being, I mean, and you've already mentioned some of it, Kelly, but how has it affected other areas of life? I should probably ask, how hasn't it, you know, affected every area of your life? I mean, it's, are there any major life changes that have come as a result? Um, now, in the beginning, Kelly, you mentioned that you have one, one son. Have you had another child since then, or you, you just have your one? I have, yes. You have. So that's yeah. one, my question. I was wondering if it had affected fertility. So that's awesome that you have another child. So is it a boy or a girl, the second one? Uh, a boy. I have two boys. Awesome. So, and I actually, I have to thank Epic for um, uh -huh. allowing me to feel like I could even have another baby because my husband really wanted to have another one. And I was like, no way I'm ever doing that again. Like, about <laughs> the first time. Um, but, uh, after we came home from Epic, I was feeling like 
healthy and strong and like I could actually be the person that I was before. Yeah. And um, they had said I, I didn't have any time to do any preservation or anything. Yeah. Um, obviously, I was pregnant. I mean, I right. had given birth like three hours before I started treatment. So there was no. And I can actually remember I was uh, getting um, a huge dose of radiation for just a bit, like last ditch effort to try and see if they could bring the pressure off my heart. And the uh, radiologist said to my husband, like, this is gonna, this could affect her fertility. Like, do you guys want to talk about it? Like, do you want to do it? And he's like, if you don't, I don't know what's going to happen to her, but yeah. And I remember sitting there like, this is the time we're having this conversation. <laughs> Well, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we got lucky. I know a lot of women aren't wow. as lucky as we are, but um, yeah, it's I, I am unbelievably blessed that I was able to yeah. have a second chance and do it again right and not be sick for the whole entire first year of my son's life has been like amazing, amazing. That's amazing. Awesome. So he's like my little second chance. So yeah, that's awesome. Kelly, how was your, how was it with, with the actual pregnancy? Was that uh, scary as you were going to do? I mean, just bringing yeah. back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was just like, I mean, I think we all have PTSD from everything yeah. we've been through. Um, and it was just like reliving kind of that nightmare over and over again. Yeah. And uh, I am done having children. <laughs> <laughs> For that reason, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, like, have pain, and I just, psychologically, it was just not, I yeah. just didn't, it just, I'm just done, so. <laughs> yeah, completely understandable. Um, are there any other, I don't know, long-term side effects that you guys have to deal with um, in terms of either treatment? Obviously, there's the mental, emotional, no, no doubt, but... Are there any kind of adjustments you've had to make to your new normal? Um, anything along those lines? Um, I, I have, so mine was in my uh, gut. And so I, I think I will always have, um, not IBS per se, but I'll have times where I have real issues yeah. where just like pain and discomfort. And um, that sucks because it causes a little fear each and every time. But yeah. Um, that that's my biggest long-term consequence for a long time. I had pretty bad neuropathy in my fingers and my toes and my toes would, would cramp up at night. Mm. Um, sometimes that still happens, but as time got, has gone by, um, those have gotten, that's gotten less and less. So it, it really hasn't <laughs> crazy enough. I, I don't have, I don't have really any long-term, um, uh, effects on me. I, I actually probably am more active now than I was before. So, awesome. so your, energy, your energy level came back to where it was before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I think I'm big into the mindset and even if I felt like it wasn't, I was going to anyway. And, um, yeah. and, and if I didn't feel like I was going to make myself have the energy, um, yeah. just because I know that's kind of the way I'm wired. So, yeah. Understandable. Kelly, for you, anything else? Um, yeah. I mean, I have the, the, my vocal cord problem. Yeah. Um, 
and I uh, I have like a lot of pain pretty much like my hips ache a lot and I have a lot of pain between my shoulder blades which was initially where I had pain before I was diagnosed oh, God. Um, but I mean for the most part I don't I for everything I feel great I yeah I don't let it yeah I feel Maui just I think that we kind of feel a lot of the same ways like I would never let my mind try to drift down those pathways that it's so easy to go down to like succumb to all of it. Um, not saying that I haven't been there because I have, and like I said before, Epic was huge, huge for my physical ability. I feel like before I went, I was like afraid, like I was a fragile person. Like I was afraid to do stuff and it got me kind of like, Oh, I can go whitewater rafting and I can push someone off a raft and I I, I have like the ability to do this stuff and uh yeah. it's given me like I feel like I should be on an ad right now. You're doing awesome. So how long yeah. after you finished treatment and and then epic? Like what how much time was in there? Uh, what was that question? I missed that one. Look, so how long in between treatment, like Kelly, you were saying that you had felt like you know, there's all these things you, you couldn't do. So in between treatment and then Epic, how much time was there? A year, maybe? Well, I finished radiation in July of 2017. So, yeah. About a year, yeah. And since then, how has your physical, like, how has your life changed physical, in terms of physical fitness? What did I'm, Epic in me? Like, no, yeah, I've never been more active in my life. Awesome. I uh, I started running during quarantine because I thought I was going to lose my mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I <laughs> have not been a runner because my vocal cord, I don't have an open airway. So oh, wow. I have like a half of an airway. So yeah. that sort of activity has always been really hard for me. And it's, it's to the point where it makes me so mad that I can't do it that I didn't. And yeah. I finally was like, this is crazy. I'm just going to start. I'm just going to try. Awesome. So I just started running and now I've got a half marathon that I signed up for in awesome. October. So we'll see. that's yeah. awesome. Uh, it inspired me. You know, I did, um, I also ran a, I did a 10 K right away and then I did a half marathon last year and I, I had an Epic shirt on. Awesome. Um, and, and, um, it's a bear. So that, that, uh, <laughs> That last mile was very tiring. So, but I'm also I'm also old older. So, um, okay. Well, I feel pretty old. <laughs> <laughs> wow, both of you. That's I mean that's awesome. I'm wondering if just from people you've met either through Epic or if you've been in a, a non-Hodgkin lymphoma sur- uh, survivors group or anything like that. Have either of you experienced survivor's guilt at all? And if so, kind of how how has that played out, and how have you dealt with it? Um, so I have I tried to go to a I went to a couple support groups uh, right after I was done before Epic, and I think I shared this in the Epic groups. Um, it made me very depressed, um, and it was not, and, and it, it certainly I think it was what I chose, but. Um, it just depressed me because a lot of these people had relapsed and were in, 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 you know, 
in <laughs> in like their third or fourth time where they're dealing with it. And so it starts to go in in my mind, well, I'm going to be the same way. And it was just very depressing. So yeah. I pretty much kicked support groups to the curb. Um, <laughs> and I haven't, I haven't been one. I, the, and I, in terms of survivor's guilt, I, I don't feel survivor's guilt probably because I don't know a lot. I've kind of stayed away from the community a little bit. Yeah. So the only guilt that I maybe have is probably that um, I, I could be, uh, I could be interfacing more with the community because I think I have a pretty good story to tell. And I think I'm a pretty good listener to um, people that have, um, that are in this situation, but I, I haven't really provided, I, I haven't given that of myself. And I think, I think I will when I am completely ready, but I really focus yeah. on the family and, you know, this actually was a first step for me to, awesome. to jump back in and do something like this. Well, thank you for joining us. Definitely. Um, how about you, Kelly? Any? I think I can, I feel the exact same way that you do, Maui. Like I feel guilt about not being part of the community more and mm-hmm. like, um, but it's also very hard to be part of it and to see the ugly side of it and to like relive some of those memories and some of those moments. And um, I've recently connected with another survivor and we have shared a lot of stuff. And sometimes like we just chat about random things and it just like snaps me like right back to a place that I'm like, whoa, I was not expecting to go there so quickly. And 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 then being part of some of the other groups that I'm in, hearing about recurrence and losses. And um, it's a lot of why, why me? How come I get this? Um, I, yeah, there's definitely guilt for me a lot. Um, there was a young woman that I connected with when I was diagnosed that was also pregnant and she unfortunately didn't make it. Wow. And she, she weighs very heavy on my heart and my mind. And yeah. so it's, I don't know how to find like the right balance between all of it. It's really yeah. difficult to figure that out. Yeah. I'm with you, Kelly. I've, I've definitely had that where it's like, I mean, I'm otherwise so healthy and other people have had such hard times either with the side effects, which again, like you guys, I really didn't, um, are, I'm still here. I mean, it just, it is. It's, that's a tough one, I think. In terms of not getting involved, it took me, I was first diagnosed in, in 2000, and I went to Epic in 2016. So that's a lo- That's how long it took me to actually get involved in something. So you guys are good. You know, it's where it's where you are. I think each person is, is where they are, and you, you do what you feel led to do at the time you led to do it. So I think you guys are doing, I mean, I really appreciate you guys being here because I know it's hard. Um, so I really do appreciate it. I do think uh, unlike Maui, like Maui, you fared you know, pretty well, mm-hmm. but you felt pretty decent through it. Um, yeah. It like knocked me on my ass. Like I, I had a very, very hard time Um I had a lot of dose adjusting going on because it was debilitating. I mean, I was like crawling to the bathrooms. I couldn't stand up. And um, so, and then like I was unable to take care of my newborn, obviously. Right. Um, 
So it's crazy to hear people have had the same treatments and have had the same RE practice. Yeah, it's not typical. Usually it's hard chop, I think is, right? Yeah, 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 I think so, yeah. yeah. So it's interesting to hear. And Maui, I think we talked about that, about how it was a little bit, um, and I hate to use the word easy because that like doesn't seem like the right word. Yeah. I know what you mean now. I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't think it was easy. Well, but in well, in you know what? To be honest, it, in comparison to the people I have known who have had it, it, it was easy for me. Doesn't mean it wasn't difficult, but in comparison, yeah. it was easy. Right. I mean, my worst symptom was um, uh, it, I, I never got sick. I had pretty bad mouth sores between four and five. That's really it. And then I also had, I guess the. I had a bad out, not a bad outcome, but I, I had a bad spinal chemo where they put it in, they, they messed up. And so I, mm. um, I had to stay an extra night in the hospital because of a, it gave me a migraine. Um, oh, gosh. yeah, that's the, that, you know, that was probably, that was my, I don't know if that was your least favorite part. The spinal chemo was very, it's the most vulnerable I've ever felt. Um, I didn't do that. I didn't have that. Oh, oh. So, okay. So maybe, so maybe I'll take it off great easy. And, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I move it a little above easy because you're you're like you basically lie prone and they um they take out the exact they take out eight cc's of spinal fluid and then they put the exact same amount of chemo so that you stay in balance so um and you're lying prone and it's i mean you're basically that's one thing i learned is i i got better trusting because i'm trusting yeah. trusting people with my life at that point and i mean they could they could hit my nerve. There's a lot of things wow. that go wrong. So. I've never even heard of that actually going in the spine like that. That, that is insane. Wow. Um, a question from someone who's watching, uh, who is also a survivor. Chris um, is asking if either of you still have the tiredness, sweating, itching, et cetera, from the uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I have, um, uh, I have itching. <laughs> uh, I did have one symptom I had beforehand that I didn't realize was uh, uh, related to the cancer at the time. I had a rash on my chest and I, oh, what's happening? Why, why won't this go away? And it turned out it was actually a, a fungal infection that my body couldn't fight. So within wow. um, two treatments of the, uh, it, it went away. But I had, I guess that was one of my symptoms I didn't realize is I was very itchy prior to, <laughs> it's a very strange thing to say, I was itchy, but I was, I itched a lot. Um, I never really had the night sweats, but I, I, I do itch a lot, and, and especially at night. Um, Interesting. It's kind of the same thing like Kelly said, like she, she gets pain in the back where she, that's the shittiest thing about this is a lot of times when you do feel stuff, it's some of the stuff that you might have had back then. Um, as time goes by and you have clean PET scans or clean blood work, like I, I can now, it's easier for me to go to the safe place that it's, that that's, they're not related. Right. So, and, and my doctor's now more worried about a different type of cancer that could come than the one I had. Um, wow. from what? Or, yeah. No, not that I have a different cancer. Sorry. Sorry. Did no, I, mean, they're more worried like about a secondary, like at this point it's like, uh, uh, but my specific type of aggressive lymphoma, oh. um, because it was so aggressive. It's, if it's been this long, it's very unlikely that that specific lymphoma would come back. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's like kind of the same thing with me. Like, um, they're more worried about like breast cancer and 
because I had radiation to my chest. I'm a young female then right. at this point um, about a reoccurrence of the lymphoma. But yeah, every time the pain comes, it's like, oh, there it is. It's back again. Ah, right. Oh, I imagine. But I just have a lot of pain in my hips that I never had before. Um, I swear when I got new Lasta, they were trying to break my femur. Oh, no. uh, my gosh. Oh, I hate new Lasta. Why do you have it in your hip? Wait, and so they, they I just had a lot of pain in my hips. As a result of it. Yeah, because that's where your white blood cells are made. So oh, when right. they come oh, out, yeah. Memories. Oh my gosh. Because I got it really bad in my, I feel it in my legs, like a weariness, but I feel it really bad in my jaw. Yeah. Um, and wow. my, but it was, I don't have hip pain anymore, but new last is a bear. Wow. I, I hate that stuff. I was about ready to quit after I think my third round. I was like, if you try and give me that dose of Nulasta, I'm done. I'm, uh, done. I'm done. I'm not doing it again. Like I can't walk. I can't move. It hurts so bad. Yeah, and, and I heard, and they said, wait, take a, a what's it called? A Claritin. Take, yeah, Claritin. What? Right. Yeah, I feel like that. Whatever. You're not allowed uh, to see that. The Claritin did Jack. Yeah, I'm like, what? so can I take the whole bottle? Like, will that help? Like, <laughs> right, right. What can I make to actually help me sleep when I have oh new Oh, my aspect? gosh. Well, yeah. let me ask you, so that in case there's anybody watching who doesn't know, what does new last, like, why were you both taking new last? What does that do or supposed to do besides give you pain in the hip and in the jaw and, and all these other parts? <laughs> so after they deplete your body so much with the epoch that um, you basically need to regenerate your um white, white blood cells right so white blood cells and so this this speeds it up so you're you stay so okay. basically it, it helps you and keeps you so you're not in that so that state where you're so susceptible to infection neutropenic right yeah, yeah okay that i forget all the lingo that's okay okay so for you kelly it it just attacked your hips it was okay. like it was My almost like you could feel your body making the white but so you still have that same ache now as well. I you're still saying. have a lot. Yeah. I I refuse to acknowledge it because I'm yeah. 30 years old, but I have like chronic pain. And yeah. like I don't, I just I I just deal with it. Like I don't yeah. walk around like I have chronic pain, but like I like I it sucks. And yeah. I like refuse to let it win and like you know, running marathons and stuff. Hey, your warrior. Your name is perfect. Um, no, I have to ask you, are you guys kidding that they told you to take Claritin? No. No. No, it's like the magic, magic Claritin will maybe make you feel better. Yeah, it's the Claritin isn't for the pain. The Claritin actually blocks like one of the receptors that um, some histamine receptor that is supposed to help with that pain. So you're supposed to take it three oh days before you get the shot. Oh, no one told me that. Oh, yeah. You're supposed to like start well, taking it. Well, it doesn't sound like it helps if you take it three days. <laughs> well, yeah. it, did work for, it did work for you either way or me, and I was taking it the night of. So I know. Well, I probably was wow. like eating a bottle of it. Like, you know, okay, this is going to help. Let's. <sighs> I wow. did. I'm, I saw someone comment um, about about an appetite if your appetite um, yeah. back and I actually um I have struggled with this 
with my appetite and nausea um, since I was diagnosed. I hmm. have chronic nausea. I always feel very like queasy. Yeah. Uh, I can't eat like I used to. Um, so yeah, I definitely still have that and you're seven years out and you still have it. So that's not giving me hope. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, not going away anytime soon. But um, yeah, I don't know. But, but yeah, wow. Um, uh, sorry, I had my my computer's dying, so I had no. I, I need a charger, so I had to go ask for one. So the question was: Has your appetite changed um, before? Um, no, I'm still pretty hungry. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I. Yeah, I, I don't eat. Uh, we're I'm vegetarian, so I just I still eat a lot of um, beans and beans, granola, and almonds, and that's that's probably about eighty percent of my diet. So I eat a lot of it. Yeah. Wow. Um, do you guys keep yourself informed on advancements in treatment or what's going on with new uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma? Anything like that, Doctor Google or from your doctors, or um, do you do any kind? Do you keep up on any of that? Um, I, you know, I, uh, I don't, I don't Google a lot. I learned a lesson or two, but uh, I think it's just like other people in the community that I chat with and. Well, honestly, it really freaks me out. Um, sometimes just about like recurrence and being so young, having it the first time around, I feel like I'm going to spend a lifetime thinking about it coming back. Yeah. I think that's probably the scariest part. Um, also, from what I've heard, non-Hodgkin's is like an old person's disease. Um, so and usually people are how old? Do you like know? 70. And you were how old? 28. Oh, gosh. So, um, so from, and Maui, you're looking different at me, so I don't know what you know, but I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I just worry that in some of these treatments, there's not enough research that what happens when you give a 28 year old, all of these drugs and these huge doses of radiation and all this medication yeah. What happens when they live, you know, hopefully a lot longer than when you're giving a 70 or 80 year old person these types of drugs. Right. So, um, I guess yeah. time will tell. And I, I refrain from some of that research because it scares yeah. me, to be yeah. honest. So. No, I understand that. How about you, uh, Matt? Do you? Um, so I, I didn't really know what type um, I had until I was pretty much done with everything because I, I didn't want to look through my paperwork. Yeah. Um, I occasionally, so what I have, what I have looked at is, you know, the CAR T therapy, um, which is the new, the newer, um, uh, instead of, instead of this old school regimen of, of, of poison, basically where they, they re-put T cells into your body hmm. and it's very promising. Right. So yeah, at my worst times, you know, I would occasionally go on my phone and look and say, Hey, what's happening with this? Cause in case this ever came back, what's happening in, in the future where, um, 
I would, if I ever came back, what options are available for me at that point? Right. But I don't spend a lot of time on it. Um, yeah. I avoided stuff about like uh, prognosis rates or um, anything <laughs> that talked about how I might not make it. I avoided that yeah. stuff. I still yeah. avoid that stuff. Uh, yeah. So I'm not one of those people that, that go on Google and learn everything about it because yeah. it just instead of helping me, it causes me anxiety. It makes me want to go run yeah. or get out of the house or do something. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm totally with you guys on that one. Um, I'm wondering if there have been any unexpected positives that have come out of this whole journey. I mean, it is easy to point out the things that suck about it. Um, I'm wondering if there have been some things that kind of in hindsight or even at the time you realize this is a good I can take out of this whole situation. Um, I think there's a lot of good to be taken out of it. I mean, one thing it does do is it really enforces um, how lucky we are and to be grateful for everything we have. And, and, that, that gratitude right after you're done, that feeling of, of gratefulness is, is front and center all the time, right? Like my nurses, um, geez, three years later. Um, uh, I'm still you so grateful. hug somehow. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there's just so much, so much gratitude. Um, and, and that is front and center for a long time. I think I think living with that, it, it, it becomes a little bit more challenge day by day as you, as, you, as you get farther away from the cancer to live with that. But it's still better than it was. I, I think I'm more grateful for everything that I have and how and how forced, how great my family is and my friends. Um, yeah. And so, you know, that aspect, uh, that perspective I would not have had without cancer. So and I've done things I never would have done without cancer. Cause I'm like, what, why this is the time, you know, I, yeah. in the past time I was, and we can't go on this vacation because we don't have enough money. You know what? We'll go on this freaking vacation. I, I'm, I, awesome. I think I jumped off the stratosphere in Vegas. I, um, wow. I climbed a 14 er I did a half, a half marathon, you know, awesome. it gives you, it, it reminds you, you have a limited time. So you try to use it. Um, so that's what I'm grateful for, for having cancer. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I've had a, um, <clears throat> I have a hard time ever saying like that I'm grateful for it yeah. or that in any way, shape, or form, I feel like it had made me more appreciative. I, but obviously there are things that I am appreciate that I do appreciate um, yeah. out of it. And it's like really little things like taking my son to the movies. Like we went and saw a movie, we saw Frozen 2 when it came out, and I was like hysterical. Just like, wow, I can't believe that this moment here, this small moment where I'm alive and I can take my son to the movie, yeah. like impacting me like this. So I think it's given me like that little, like be grateful for like the little moments things. And also I actually met like one of my really great, great friends right now um, through treatment. She was my nurse. And uh, we are super good friends. And so I'm grateful that it brought me friendships. Yeah. And they're basically like my family now. Um, but yeah, that's a tough question for me. I struggle with that question a lot because I feel like it took 
so much from me that I don't know that I can say it ever gave me anything back. Yeah. Yeah. And that's understandable. And the things that you've pulled from it are the little things to be grateful for yeah. in spite of, you know, um, all the other stuff. Yeah. Um, if you're watching this and you have any questions, go ahead. We have uh, just a few more minutes, but go ahead and post them. Sorry, I cut you off. What were you going to say, Maui? I was just going to say there's a song by um, <laughs> there's a song by Rob Thomas where he talks about um, basically he's lost friends. He, he's he's proud to be getting older. So, you know, when I hear people um, get really like down as they get older, you know, it, it's 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 not a given. Right. And so, you know, that's where I try to turn my mind. Um, when I feel fear or when I feel um, anxious or whatnot. Yeah. It is like being on like that cusp of like just turning 30 people, you know, they're like, how do you yeah. feel turning 30? Like, you know, and I'm like, I'm alive. Like, yeah, 30 is awesome. I'm loving yeah. 30 is great. Like I couldn't ask for anything more. Yeah. And I think, I think, I maybe something good that has come out of it is that my response to some questions that people ask me about, like, how does it feel to be 30? Yeah. You know? And they're like, Oh shit. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> to be 30. Like I'm, I'm alive. And you know, yeah. So. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm wondering if you guys were to have a chance to talk to somebody who's newly diagnosed uh, with non Hodgkin's, is there something that you would tell them? Either something you've learned, something you've learned because it happened a way you wish it wouldn't have or any, anything that you might offer someone who was just diagnosed any kind of. Um, so when, when I had my surgery to take out, um, the, the lump in my neck or my lymph node, um, can't remember the exact words, but the, the nurse said to my wife, basically, you know, this is essentially a bump in the road, like in a, in a long-term scheme of things, um, it's going to be okay. Um, statistically speaking, non-Hodgkin's, there, there is so many promising treatments. Um, Kelly and I, probably 20 years ago, would probably not be talking. I, um, I, there chances are at this point, it is just a bump in a road. You will get through it. It will feel like an out-of-body experience. That that thing about the out-of-body experience, like I don't think when I was in it, it didn't feel out of body. But when I think right. back to uh, when I think of like sitting connected to a machine, being barely able to walk around a, a, a hotel lobby um, and remembering the bone pain from Nulasta, that does feel like an out-of-body experience. So it, in the present, it is absolutely awful. But you will get through it. And, um, but it, it's just a, it, it's a major bump in the road, but you'll get through it. Okay. God, I don't know. I, I read these questions last night or whatever. <laughs> and this question really, really gets me. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure what I would say. It's hard to think it's such a fragile time. I feel like to say, I'm, I'm always trying to find the right words. I feel like I can never yeah. find the right words to say, or I just, I always just feel like, like, I wish I could take the burden because I like, I know what's ahead of you and I wish I didn't. So I think I feel like advice is just like, I feel like you just have to feel what's going on and you just have to kind of acknowledge it, accept it. And like, 
kind of like what Maui was saying, like you have to have the mind that you're going to get through it and that you're going to overcome because yeah. you can't, you can't have a fracture in your mindset. Otherwise you will break. Yeah. I think that's right. huge. I think that's huge. And I know I said, I didn't really look at stuff, but I did, you know, when you're given stuff to read, when everything hits the fan, you know, it talks about, and my oncologist was very much about a positive mindset and, 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 and how that has positive effect to actual both to, to your, to how you deal with the treatment and then also your longevity and how well you do with your prognosis. So it's so important to be positive and, um, know that there's tons of people like Kelly and I who um, uh, are still here are still here and you're kicking butt you're running half kicking, running half marathons <laughs> um, you know I mean I might be shuffling through the finish line so <laughs> that's gonna be a fun. I'll take it hey. that's right that's, no, that's an excellent point that's excellent last question again if, if anybody has a last question go ahead and put it on there this is my last question is there anything looking back is there anything you wish you would have known back then that you have realized now, either related to the cancer or the treatment or just the whole experience dealing with other, any, any part of it, any part of it? Is there something that, uh, I don't know, even if you go back and tell yourself, you know, Warrior or Maui, you know, anything along those lines? You know, I... I was told basically from June, 2016 through January that I probably was okay. So get a second opinion if you feel like something's wrong. Yeah. Um, and and uh, that I think potentially made a difference in, in, in my prognosis going to a different ENT who was able to see right away that what was on my neck was not normal. So that'd be my thing, trust your gut and yeah. And uh, and go with it. I never felt like it. I never felt like something was not wrong. That's not very. That's not very happy. But that's <laughs> hey, I didn't ask for happy. I, <laughs> no, that's excellent. I, I completely agree in terms of the second opinion and trusting your gut. Definitely. Yeah, Kelly. Hmm. I don't know. I. I don't know. I. I feel like being completely blindsided wasn't really the way to go into it, but I also feel like I'm not sure if someone told me that I was about to head into what I did, if I would have even been able to comprehend what that meant. Yeah. And I kind of feel like that's relates to the other question of like, what would you say to somebody mm -hmm. during treatment? Like, I don't know what to say to you because I don't know how to tell you that while I was going through treatment, I crawled my way to the bathroom because right. you don't want to hear that. Right. So, right. and it, and it could be very different for them. So I have a hard time, like, I don't know, telling. No, that's a nice point because it is different. I mean, you guys had the same kind of cancer, slightly different, very similar treatment in some ways. Right. And yet very different experiences on at least some level. So you're right. It is, it's different for everyone. Yeah. I wish um, I just, I will, I'll just very quickly. Well, just say right, no, so young. I wish I like I had just gotten married in April of 2016. I got yeah. pregnant in uh, May and then, yeah. you know, or, you know, yeah. whatever. And uh, so I got married, pregnant and was diagnosed with cancer all in one year. Wow. And I feel like 
if someone could have like whispered into my ear, like, like everything is gonna like hit the fan, but then it's gonna be okay. But like your relationships are gonna be like tested to the absolute limits. Yeah. I wish I had just like a little bit of knowledge of that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up, but I actually do want to give you guys a chance. Is there anything I didn't ask you about that you would want to share um, about your experience? Just anything that uh, I didn't ask you. I just kind of sometimes like to throw this out there if there's something. Uh, I, um, I no, I not off the top of my head. Um, okay. You know, I don't know how many people are watching it. You know, I joke that maybe it's fifty thousand. Um, I doubt that's the case. <laughs> But but honestly, you know, I, I am on social media and if anyone has any questions or anything, um, uh, feel free to, to reach out. I'm not really much. I'm not really on social media, but my I'm, my profile's there. Oh, and then I'll do a plug for this T-shirt. So, yeah, um, there it is. Old school. I'm yeah, telling you guys, yeah, they're so. comfortable T-shirts. There it is. If you want one again, um, they were created by Ethan Zahn, who is a a survivor literally from cancer, but also he was on the show Survivor and he is giving $5 from the purchase of each shirt to support Epic Experience. So there you go. So Kelly, anything else that you would add uh, that I didn't ask you? Um, um, I don't know, but for the 100,000 people that are listening right now, you know, I <laughs> I feel like, um, like as a young woman, um, it's hard. It's hard to lose your hair. It's hard to lose everything and it happens yeah. very quickly um and i think that there is a life after this yeah. there is a life and you have to want it and it is there and for a long time you look in the mirror and you don't recognize that person and then someday one day all of a sudden there she is again and yeah. i hope that everyone can find that again yes yeah. so. And I struggle with it. It's not every day, but uh, but but that is my hope for young women that they can find that beauty again and strength and not let this break them. So awesome! Thank you both so much, Foyer and Maui. Maui, I can't thank you enough for being on here. Um, you guys, seriously, you both rock. The fact that you're doing half marathons is awesome. I just I think that's great. Thank you for listening to this episode of Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer. For more information about Epic Experience and our programs, or to donate, please visit our website at epicexperience.org. Music for this podcast is provided by Moonshiner Collective. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us so we can share our story with more people. Also, be sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts so you'll know when new episodes are released. We hope you come back and join us for our next episode. Father, t-